Hello and welcome everyone to Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week we've got four awesome indie games news stories for you before we hop in to an amazing news cram segment and talk about some indie games over on Kickstarter. But before we get into that, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Vaughn Hyde and I'm of course, joined by my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average, Josh Boys. How you doing today, Big Josh Boy? I'm doing good, man. What's up? How you been? Uh, it's pretty good, dude. It's a good week. Yeah. Um, How'd it go? Yeah, what, I'm, what's I'm just happened enjoying so far? Stuff. I am setting up some stuff for the future. Ooh. I'm going to try to get some passion projects off the ground. I'm actually kind of excited about it. I've been in... Talking with uh, talking with some friends, getting an editor. I'm excited. Damn. There's some cool stuff going on. I don't want to say anything right now, just in case I wimp out and don't actually do it. <laughs> or just in case uh, the editor that I have just thinks I'm garbage. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a great editor. So Well, yeah. we'll see. Hopefully okay. he doesn't think I'm garbage. I mean, he's read my stuff before. so He'll turn your garbage into, you know, diamonds. That's how it works. Hopefully, yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping will happen. I mean, I don't know if that's an editor's job, but uh, so <laughs> his now. I've <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be his job. Um, I've been wanting on my way home from work. I was listening to the HP podcast, and they were talking about midnight releases. When's the last time you went to a midnight release? Can you remember one? Mm, I don't. Uh, I guess the last one was probably Borderlands. Like, I think the original Borderlands. Oh, holy shit. I thought you meant, like, Borderlands 3. No, no. Fuck <laughs> no. no. <laughs> the first one. Jeez. <laughs> Can you remember your favorite moment from a midnight release? Mm, not really. They were all pretty crap. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, the reason why I wanted to talk about this was to share a story that I remembered. Okay. From the Destiny Midnight release. So I went to my local GameStop with my friend Chase, who you and the podcast knows because he writes in weird-ass fucking questions like he did today. But (laughs) I went with him and his brother-in-law, my friend as well, Tim. We all go to the GameStop to pick up Destiny, and we're sitting there waiting. And this was when we didn't get those, like, cool 9 p.m. releases. Mm -hmm. How, like, they're like, oh, the East Coast has it at midnight, and that's our 9. So... We're just do a simultaneous release. Those are cool. But <laughs> instead, we had to wait till true midnight. So game, our like local GameStop are one of them because we have like five, which is just ridiculous. But uh, they were doing a giveaway of some like posters and some other cool merch and like swag, whatever. I don't really know. Um, and there was this poster that I really, really wanted. And I whispered to Chase... That I would suck the employee's dick mm. to get that poster. It sounds because I wanted it so bad. Yeah, I mean sometimes you gotta suck a dick. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta get down and dirty to get that poster if you really want it. I mean, I'm gonna earn that poster, is what I'm telling him basically. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that I actually won the drawing wow. to get this poster. He, yeah, he dude. probably heard you. <laughs> No, well, actually, he did hear me like five seconds later because Chase goes, oh, I guess you won't have to suck that guy's dick now. (laughs) And the guy turns around and gives me the weirdest fucking look ever. He was like, get the fuck away from me. But then he winked at the end. (laughs) He's like, meet me out back. (laughs) You're about to earn that poster, kid. You didn't win this. (laughs) (laughs) Shit's rigged. 
Um, yeah, I had to just bring up that story because I just remembered it. I was like, man, I still have that poster. It's rolled up in my closet. Wow, all that dick sucking wasn't even worth it. I mean, dude, it's a cool poster. I'm going to cherish it until eventually it degrades like all other things. But you know what I'll really cherish is the memory of, you know, that phallic object in my mouth. That's, mm. that's what I'll, That's what I'm truly gonna cherish is the experience. Wow! So speaking of experiences, what have you been playing this week, Big Josh Boy? <laughs> so I have been playing a couple of indie games. This time it's actually gonna be indie. Um, yeah, I got codes for both of these games. The first one is Cat Quest Two, which, if you don't know, uh, this is the sequel to Cat Quest, which is. A very interesting game. Uh, it's essentially, it has the aesthetic of a very mobile game type uh, appeal where it, everything is very cartoony. It's all very colorful, kind of poppy. Um, but the interesting part about it is the main game, you're essentially a cat. And in this one, in the sequel, you get to also play as a dog. And they made it a fully co-op game where you can play with two people throughout the entire game, or you just have an AI character who is just awful. Like, awful, awful. Um, <laughs> You're like, he attacks me, awful. <laughs> no, luckily they cannot attack uh, your, like, you can't attack your counterpart. Um, yeah, there's no friendly fire. But, uh, yeah, no friendly fire. But they basically just like, so one of the things that you do in this game is essentially you have uh basic attacks which is either you're swinging like a sword or an axe or you're shooting uh magic from a wand and then you also have spells and so when you give the uh your counterpart the character basically whatever weapon they have they'll play in a way where they'll like hit things once and then kind of roll away and just like run away a little bit and then come back, and it's like, it, it makes no sense. It's like the slowest way to defeat an enemy ever. They're, like, playing really on the defensive, which I guess is good because they don't die as often as most AI would, but they are just, like, constantly running away. Um, but regardless, the game is basically you as a cat and a dog, and you're essentially these kings of two different lands that are basically a land of all cats, a land of all dogs, and these two evil beings have taken your throne and they're making these two lands, basically, uh, they're starting a war between them um, and you have to come through and try to basically take them down and reclaim your kingdom. And there's a bit more to the story, but I won't go into it because there is kind of a twist in that, um, which is the same as the first one. And essentially the way the game works is you go from area to area. There's these little quest markers. There's side quests that you can run to and help out people. And generally you're just running through killing monsters, going through dungeons. Uh, it's very similar to uh, a lot of light RPG games. And the cool thing about this one is it's got a very unique poise on how they do the overworld. So in most RPGs, like you think of a classic RPG, uh, like a Chrono Trigger or the earlier Final Fantasies, where they had an overworld where you would have an area you would walk through, you would get to the point where the town would end and you're leaving the town, and then you would have this big kind of like a, a picture of a map, and your little character would then walk across the map. So this game is like that, except you're always on the overworld. So everything has that 
that strange like map looking aesthetic to it, but you're on top of that area and so are the enemies. So it, it has this very different, um, it's obviously not heavily utilized. Uh, it's the only game I can really think of where they, they do this in the full entirety of the game other than going into dungeons and then having like a, another area. But traversal through the towns, there's enemies, there's people to talk to, they're all on top of the overworld. And that's essentially where you're running through. So it's it's a very unique perspective on how the game is set up. Um, and there's a lot of cool parts to it of, from improvement-wise, adding the extra you know bonus character of now making this game co-op. They've added new spells, a ton of new armor and weapons that you can get and upgrade. Um, so there's a lot to it. It is a very casual game. Uh, I'll put that as like a caveat to it is that this isn't going to be like a hardcore RPG that you play or, you know, a hardcore adventure game. This is more of, uh, it's just very quirky, cute, funny. Uh, it is fun. Um, but a lot of it is stemmed down to do a quest where you go to one area, you fight a couple enemies, you come back and talk to the person, but there's a lot of the story elements to it that kind of bring it along just because this game is full, 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 full of puns like every other word in this game is a pun and it's always based on dogs or cats which if you don't like that you'll probably get super annoyed with this i thought it was pretty funny but even like going through (laughs) there were some times where i was like man that one was really a stretch (laughs) like they get uh pretty ridiculous with it but i thought it was fun i definitely enjoyed my time with it i think if you've tried the original cat quest it's going to be just more of what you love and added bonuses to it um and then if you've never tried a cat quest game i think this is the one to pick up just because it's good for a co-op game and especially for someone who has like uh, a significant other or another friend who maybe isn't as into games this is a pretty easy one to pick up because there's not as much uh from a reliability standpoint on that extra character like the extra character can be total dead weight just like the ai was but you'll still be fine and you'll still have a fun time just killing a bunch of random baddies that are on the screen um but yeah that was cat quest it was pretty good yeah you've been waiting for cat quest 2 for quite a while yeah i have i was pretty excited and i i was actually pretty excited because i reached out to uh the team because i had originally done an interview on the site that uh that i write for parallax media and i had done an interview with them and i was like hey i don't know if you guys remember me but uh, I'm really excited about your game. Can I try it? And they were like, oh, yeah, sure. And I was like, oh, cool, which was very exciting. And uh, obviously, shout out and super thankful for uh, the team providing the code for me. So just keep that in mind. This was uh, you know, a free copy for myself. But I still enjoyed it, and I still would have gotten it if they didn't, just because I am a fan of the what is now a series. Um, and I believe, and this is kind of spoilers, but it seems like they're, uh, poised to also create a cat quest three after this. So pretty, uh, pretty cool. Looking forward to that. But if you're a fan of this, you should pick up cat quest too. Yeah. Something I find super depressing about the lack of coverage on indie games. is actually how easy it is to get codes for indie games. Yeah. I mean, that is one of the cool things about being in this position from like our point of view is they obviously want as much publicity as they can get. Um, but you know, I I think they deserve it because they're constantly shadowed, especially with the fact that like 
excuse me, it's easy to overlook a lot of games and even I'm doing it where there's games where I know like I'm, I want to try like Disco Elysium is a game that I know I really, really want to get to. There's other indie games that are out there, but it's like, there's so much happening right now. Like uh, the game Legend of Bumbo, the one that was created by uh, the Binding of Isaac developer. That came out yesterday, and I still haven't had a chance to pick it up. I even bought it. I still haven't had a chance to pick it up. Just Josh has cards in it. <laughs> I mean... You've been passing over it? It's not really cards, actually, looking into it. And I'll, I'll talk more about it as we you know get into that when I actually play the game. But it's more of like a weird mix of Candy Crush and like uh, turn-based battle i don't know it's really weird i'll have to play more of it but i watched someone uh stream it and i was like this is a little odd i don't know how i'm gonna feel about the game but we'll we'll get to that more when i actually get my hands on it but like going back to my point is there's so much out there that it's really easy to overlook that like especially with nintendo blowing up right now for all the games that are coming out luigi's mansion pokemon like there's so much happening death stranding is is you know obviously out and people are going nuts about it there's a lot because it's just it's that season it's the time where video games just become rapidly uh accessible like which is good but from an indie developer perspective they need all the help they can get for anyone talking about their games so go check out cat quest 2 yeah, that's why you guys listen to this podcast. Yeah. It's because you want to know about indie games. So, you know, before you pick up Jedi Fallen Order, listen to this podcast, pick up Cat Quest 2, pick up The Legend of Bumbo. It's got cards. Josh loves it. Um, <laughs> apparently, it's like Candy Crush, which is probably the, the weirdest mix-up I've ever heard. But. Yeah, I'll, I'll, right. I'll talk more to that when I actually have some time in it, but it it's going to be a weird one. Um and then I, I have another game I want to talk about before uh, before I shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I also got from, I believe the developer is Pillow Castle Games. Um, they came out with a game called Super Liminal, which is super trippy. Uh, this is a game that when, I believe it was in the Kind of Funny Showcase a while back or another like uh, showcase of indie games. And I saw it and I was instantly like, oh my God, I need to play this. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and the reason why is because I love games that are puzzle-based, but in a weird, like mind-boggling, trippy kind of way. Um, it has a lot of tones that are very similar to the Stanley Parable, which is that, you know, uh, walking kind of like weird simulation game. Uh, it has a little bit of mix of Portal, uh, just because of the announcer that's constantly talking to you. And I also think if anyone's played it, which I think this is a stretch, uh, Anti-Chamber, which is even like a crazier, trippier game that is amazing and everyone should check out. Um, it has elements of that where it's, the game is all about perspectives and changing your perspective to solve a puzzle that's in front of you. So the background of the game is essentially your, um, you're a participant in this lab where they're trying to use sleep therapy to solve an individual's problem with uh, basically like depression or feeling overwhelmed and being defeated and not, you know, having any initiative to do anything. And so you're in this sleep therapy session and you wake up or it seems like you wake up because this alarm clock keeps ringing and you keep hitting the alarm clock. You keep walking out. And as you're doing it, you're noticing you're in these like 
these trials, these weird sleep trials where they make you do things where you have to play with perception. Basically, you'll get an item, like they'll give you a chess piece and they'll be like, hey, if you use perception to your advantage, you'll be able to change this. And you can go from having the chess piece on one side, if you like look at it, walk up close to it, angle it in a certain way, and then push it off to the other side of the room, you'll essentially like expand it in size or you'll shrink it down depending on which way you're doing it. And that can uh, go into your advantage to solve different puzzles. So it's all about uh, changing the elements in the room based on just perceiving things in a different way, which is super cool. Uh, It it can be a little frustrating at times uh, just because sometimes you really don't know what it's trying to actually have you do. Um, which I've seen some reviews that they got really upset about it, but honestly, I think it was amazing. I think there are some times where I'm like, I was like, oh, I'm not really too sure what to do here, but like, it's a puzzle game. That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to push you to think of things in a different way. So I, I loved it. And it's you doing those trials. And then eventually you go outside of the trial and you like escape into this one subsector of it and then you essentially get lost and so this guy uh the doctor is talking to you over a stereo every so often you find like stereos placed and he'll basically say like oh don't worry you're lost like we've never seen this happen before but we're still trying to find you just keep going forward through the trials like blah blah blah. and so it's you basically being like oh i'm I don't know how to get out of here. I'm just going to keep walking, going through. And you go through all these weird areas and like strange illusions from your brain. And as you go deeper and deeper into the game, it just keeps getting trippier and trippier. And I I just really loved it. It was such an interesting experience. Um, I think that the story of it was pretty good too. And it has like a really great message at the end overall. Um, And it's only about a three hour ish experience, um, which honestly like some people are always like oh i want the best bang for my buck but i've in my time just because i'm you know kind of <laughs> growing older i value my time in i don't want always a 40 hour game and i think this was like a perfect chunk of really cool puzzles interesting ideas a good story to go along with it and you know wrapped up into that nice one three hour sitting that i was like by the end of it yeah i had my fill i think this game was great it was definitely worth the time that I played it. Yeah, and even if you have the complaint that you want bigger bang for your buck, Superliminal is only like sixteen ninety nine, I guess, on the Epic Game Store. Yeah, it's and not. A, it's not bad yeah. at all. But so I would say even a three hour experience. I mean, depending on the quality of the experience, might be worth like sixteen ninety nine, depending on what kind of games you like. It sounds right. like this one's pretty interesting. I've always wanted to get into games like uh, the The Witness, Stanley Parable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Indigo Prophecy in my head, but that's not it at all. There's another one that's really weird. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, but I've always good. wanted to. Yeah, I've always wanted to get into these super weird like puzzle games. Um, They're so cool. And just never had the chance to. And I've always thought like perspective puzzles were really really cool um like like when you'd see it's go ahead man it's really interesting because there's a lot of things where like you'll walk into a room and you'll see things that are painted like just in a weird way and you'll have to go to the room at a certain angle look at that 
weird painting and you'll notice like oh this is actually like a giant rubik's cube looking piece and as you're looking at it when you align it perfectly it'll just click and you'll be able to then grab it out of the air and you're like oh now i can use this and like use it as a a way to get out of a room or something like that so there's a lot of those little types of puzzles that are very interesting that sounds really really cool and i think i i I haven't played the game. I should tell everybody that. Um, but the way it sounds, it sounds like it's like ambiguous nature might be really, really cool and lend to the difficulty of the puzzles. Like not knowing what you're supposed to do, like you said, is is kind of the point of a puzzle. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's some things in there where like I would do it and I would like some pieces you, you get. You're like, it kind of clicks and you're like, oh yeah, I obviously need to make this bigger. I turn it into a ramp. I can get out of here. Like what, whatever it is. Like those are usually the, the more obvious puzzles that come up from it. Um, but then there were ones where I would look at it and I would be like, there's no way the game wants me to do this. And I would basically go about it and I'd be like, I guess that is what they wanted me to do it. And like, uh, so some of the things, and I don't even know, maybe that wasn't the right way to do it. And I just figured it out. But like, still there were a lot of those moments in me just being like, I don't really know what to do, but I'm just going to keep trying this in different like angles, different perspectives, and see if I can figure it out. Oh, nice, nice. The game I was also thinking of is called the Talos Principle, by the way. I just could not remember mm, what it was called. Never played that's, it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Um, speaking of playing games, me, I've just been playing freaking Fallout 4, dude. And I've technically been also playing another game, but I can't talk about it because this podcast will go up before the embargo is done, which is annoying, but (laughs) yeah, playing a bunch of fallout four, enjoying it. I'm excited to get into some cool indie games that are coming up. Uh, Astroneer is finally coming to PS4, I believe on the 15th. So I'm Mm -hmm. definitely going to be picking that one up. It's been on Xbox one and PC for a long time. And I've always thought it's art style was really, really cool, but, uh, I'm just a PC shill, dude. Not PC, freaking PS4 shill. <laughs> Are you sure? I, you want to want to come to my side of things? I can come convert to the PC, now, baby. It's time. <laughs> it's never a better time to convert. I'm gonna be honest. Those Steam cards are really getting me there. I'm, I might, I'm, I might have to do that. I've been thinking about, and this is gonna annoy you. I've been oh, thinking about buying Hyperlight Drifter on PC on dude. Steam just to get the Steam cards. You are so ridiculous. <laughs> They're so cool. No. So- I just think they're so awesome, and the fact that you can sell them is so weird and interesting. The Steam client of having those different uh, valuables of cards and little like collectibles and in-game items that you can sell on the Steam store is actually pretty cool. Uh, they changed, uh, and I know I'm kind of going on a weird tangent, but they they recently, a couple years back, changed it where you have to like log in through the authenticator and like wait a certain time period for things to sell, which is kind of annoying. But originally, you could just sell whatever you want, and I used to do that all the time and just basically sell all the cards. So I would get you know a couple bucks, and I'd be like, oh, next time something goes on sale, I just buy a game with it from all these cards that I don't want because suckers like you keep buying them. <laughs> I would never buy a card. That is just dumb. I don't know why you'd buy well, one. I like to earn them. Because the game does not give you all the cards. You get That is a good point. Yeah, they're randomized. Yeah, you get a randomized number of drops for how many cards the game like comes with. So if the game comes with nine different cards, it'll probably drop only four of them. If it comes with six cards, it will probably drop like three of them. And the shitty part about it is sometimes you'll get the same card two times or three times and you're like well great 
I don't need this card. I want the other ones. So like, I understand why people buy them because when you have all the cards, you can essentially trade them in and you get levels for those games and then it gives you little collectible items like it'll give you a emoji that you can now use in all the steam discussion boards or it'll give you a wallpaper that you can uh you know put on your pc like a wallpaper dude you are really fucking selling me on this shit (laughs) That's not what I'm trying to do, but yeah, that's what you can do. Yeah, yeah, you try to dissuade me from uh, popping over to PC on Steam and just getting all these freaking cards, and I'm like, man, this sounds like a dream. (laughs) Trophies be damned, fucking Steam cards all the way. This is awesome. I mean... I mean, there's also achievements there, too, so it's not like... Ah, fuck that. Don't, okay, so I do actually have a question. When do you get these cards? I've gotten them just, like, randomly. It is You random. said that there might be, like, nine times. Can you just keep playing the game and no. hopefully get more cards? No, so what happens... Well, kind of. So what happens is, essentially, each game has a limited number of drops that you'll always get. So you'll always get, like I said, if it's six cards in total, it'll be usually, like three drops if you have more cards there will be more additional drops but it's never going to be the amount of cards that it totals and it's always going to be just randomly as you play and it usually is within the first hour or so of playing the game it'll trickle a couple of cards out at you however many drops you have once it does is like eventually cap yeah so it'll be just like the three is the cap essentially Ah, bullshit so what happens what happens is Every so often, and it's super rare, every so often it'll be like, hey, a random card pack. And it'll just give you a random card pack for a random game. And it doesn't always have to be something you're playing. It'll just be a random one that you have in your Steam library. And it'll be like, here's five cards in this pack. Open your pack up. And it'll be like, okay. I don't know what, like, I still to this day don't know what really triggers it. It just sometimes it shows up in my Steam library and I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'll usually sell those. You're telling me that this gaming platform at times will give me (laughs) gifts? (laughs) To an extent, yes. Dude, you should, like, you should, I don't know, maybe you should work in PR or something for Steam, because you got me, bro. Like, (laughs) I'm sold on these freaking cards. Uh, But speaking of big change-ups, let's hop into the news. Yeah, yeah. Sound good? Yeah. You excited now? Uh, Our first news story is over on Polygon. It is written by Michael McWhorter, maybe. I've said his name like five times. Wow, that is a long last name. Yeah, he's got an awesome name. Uh, This is PlayStation Worldwide Studios president Shuhei Yoshida steps down. Uh, There's a new shakeup at PlayStation as Shuhei Yoshida is stepping down as president of Sony Interactive Entertainment's Worldwide Studio. Replacing him is Herman Holst, managing director and co-founder of Guerrilla Games, the developers behind Killzone and uh, most recently Horizon Zero Dawn. Yoshida will be remaining with Sony, however, as the head of a new form or a newly formed uh, initiative that will focus on nurturing ex- <laughs> external <laughs> independent creators. In a press release, the president and CEO of Sony, Sony Interactive Sony Entertainment, <laughs> Sony Rainey, uh, Jim Ryan, called Holst. Uh, nah, I don't really care about Holst. This is pretty much. I just want to know about Shuhei Yoshida. You don't care That's about the only Holst. Part. He's the new guy. Come on, well, man. yeah. 
He's he's the new big guy, and that's really awesome for him. Um, I don't know if that's really going to shake up a lot of what's happening at Sony. I I hope it does, but the bigger deal about this is really for like Shuhei Yoshida for me. Um, Yoshida's new role will concentrate um, on our diverse community of independent developers, ensuring that they have the tools, technology, and services to reach <clears throat> PlayStation's large community of gamers successfully, according to Sony. Everybody knows how passionate Shu is about indie independent games uh they are they are lifeblood of the industry uh they are the lifeblood of the industry is what i'm assuming uh he's supposed to be saying uh they are the lifeblood of the industry making our content portfolio as special for our gamers uh ryan said these wildly creative experiences deserve focus and a champion like shu at playstation who will ensure the entire sie organization works together to better engage with independent developers through a culture of supporting and celebrating their contributions to playstation platforms this is i mean it's a it's a big deal for me i'm really excited about it sony Mm. i I was kind of i was bummed when sony came out and said we talked about it on the podcast a while ago there was an article over on gamesindustry.biz i believe it was in actually an interview with uh jim ryan where he said that playstation is actually going to be focusing on the larger triple a developed games when playstation 5 comes out Mm -hmm. and it I'm not going to say that they're not going to do that, uh, but it's it's nice that they're at least seemingly gearing up in every direction, both AAA and independent, and they're actually kind of like, they have this new liaison. They have this new um, like ambassador to indie games over at Sony, and I think that's awesome. I think it, it's only going to help independent developers, especially since no matter how much Jim Ryan might contest this, apparently, I can't find that quote anywhere, but <laughs> I've heard literally everyone talk about it. Um Sony has not put a whole lot of effort into their independent creators and the relationships with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it it's it's just evident by how much uh, like how many of them have fled basically Sony's ecosystem and gone to the Nintendo Switch. Also, I don't know if that's also because there's like. So I've been wondering, like, recently and forever, if the relation between the independent games, like, on Nintendo Switch and the sales of independent games on Switch are, like, who who's actually not benefiting? Who's the reason that that happened? Are they right. selling so much on Switch because they're on Switch? Or, uh, like, is the Switch responsible or... is the, Are the independent games responsible? It's kind of what I'm wondering. The but, old chicken before the egg question... Yeah, yeah. I personally think the like indie games are actually helping sell these consoles because the Nintendo Switch for a long time didn't actually have like a massive stable <clears throat> of like first party games on it, oh, and now it's sure. got a shitload of fucking indie games, and you can play Arms, I guess, or One Two Switch. So that's, <laughs> yeah, I that's mean, a for bonus. A, yeah, for a while the Switch really like. It had its heavy hitters, like you can't knock Super Mario Odyssey or Breath of the Wild, but after you get past their main line, like that's always been Nintendo's big issue, is people buy their consoles just for those few games, but there has historically been an issue where Nintendo is like, we've got really good games, but not a lot, and that's where the indies, especially for the Switch side, really kind of balance that for them because for a while there like i i believe even 
this year, like Nintendo's had a great year, but even in the earliest part of the year, it was really just, you know, kind of living off a lot of the indies that were there. I would assume so, yeah. Because they haven't, like, until I think Super Mario, like Mario Maker 2, yeah. did they have, like, another big release uh, since, like, th- its launch think, year? I think in January they had the the remake of the Super Mario Brothers, like, the, the Wii U uh, The Wii U game. one? Yeah, the remake. That was port over to Switch? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess it was just a port. But, yeah, so I think That's they had That's still a big deal. That. Apparently it's one of the best Mario games I've heard. I don't think so, but okay. I don't know. That's probably a bad opinion. That was probably a hot take from Jared Petty or something, but I'm not 100% sure. Whatever. I mean, Super Mario World and Super Mario Bros. 3, you know, those are the those are the classics, so can't beat them. <laughs> so how do you feel about Shuhei Yoshida now having this, like, kind of integral position at Sony where he's just going to be interacting with independent developers? I mean, you're not, like, a PlayStation guy, really. You have a PlayStation... <sighs> But it's not your main console. Yeah. So how do you feel about it? I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be you know negative. I, I think it's cool. I think it's what P uh, P PlayStation. I don't know why we we're gonna. Well, I was gonna call them just PS Five. I think it's what you know PlayStation needs to do. Uh, it's a smart take because yeah, going full in on just their platform exclusives is great. Um, but I think that ultimately they're going to run into the same kind of issues that, like I was mentioning, Nintendo had, if they do try to do something like that, where if they leverage themselves to just that and they're not pushing for any of those indie games to come to their system, people are going to find the games that they want in other areas. And if they're not constantly in your ecosystem, you're losing money because, it's going to make them less likely to get something like PS Now or whatever they have. Um, I really don't know. Because <laughs> I just don't. Because yeah, like, PlayStation Now is a thing. Yeah, see, <laughs> I, I'm kind of kind of with it. You know, Whatever they have. I don't, I don't know, man. They're doing something over there. Those PlayStation boys and girls. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's the right move. I think it's good from an indie perspective, but I think it's going to be really hard to sway in one direction just because Nintendo has really grasped that and I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon until I mean I mean I I don't know I just I feel like it's the perfect area for a lot of those indie games because it gives people a very cheap entrance into it yeah yeah I I personally think that Sony is just gearing up there they want to make sure that either way the PlayStation 5's like launch goes they are prepared because historically PS3 did not launch especially well because the price was excessively high Um, and there was a time when there weren't a whole lot of exclusives to push the sale of PS3 but what kept them alive was actually indies the same thing goes for the PlayStation Vita what kept it alive was indie games so i think they're kind of just covering their asses they're like hey just in case our first party stable uh isn't like the the massive system sellers that we think they're going to be we can fall back on indie games i mean it's smart because historically the uh popularity of consoles has always flip-flopped between generations so it's technically xbox's turn 
Yeah, yeah, or maybe I mean it's like never Nintendo's turn. I mean, because uh, Nintendo kind of they 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 pave their they own just road. Do their own yeah, thing. they really yeah. do. They're like they're the console wars is literally just Xbox going up against PlayStation. Nintendo has no concerns with that because Nintendo etches out its own area. Like you'll never be able to play a game that is Nintendo on anything other than that. And you'll always have these weird, quirky elements that you won't find anywhere else. Like, it's just what Nintendo does. It's a whole different beast. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of a whole different beast, let's move on to our next news story. Uh, this one is over on GameScoop. Make it sound like Game it's bad. Scoop. What the fuck? GameScoop. Game <laughs> no, I'm like, I have like some nasal issues because I'm getting over a cold uh, and I'm just like super fucking shit up. I mean, I, I just fuck shit up normally. That's so. true. Uh, it's time for I video should... game 20 questions. <laughs> so this one is over on GameSpot. It is written by Eddie McCook. McCook. I, I feel like eventually we're going to actually like, I might meet this guy later in life. And I be hope like, we do. Ah, I've been fucking your name up for years. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. McCook. Uh, so this is uh, Dragon Age Riders' new musical adventure game reaches funding goal. Uh, Chorus, a musical adventure. The next game from Dragon Age writer David uh, Gator, I'm going to say, which is a dope name. Um, or Guider, either way, that's a dope name. Um, mm. Has reached its funding target, meaning production is now officially set to begin. The game crossed its 600,000 funding target on November 5th. It currently stands at 612,756 at... Uh, press time which is 102 percent of their funding goal i think it's actually gone even higher now it's over on fig um the developers actually uh the developers Summerfall studios released a celebratory video in which gator thanks fans for their support and said he really can't wait to get started on the project another lead developer liam uh elsler Els Esler, maybe I don't know. He's a pretty boy though. He's got a sweet beard, <laughs> oh, a yeah. fantastic accent. Yeah, I'd kiss him right on the mouse for a poster. You know what I mean? Wow, wow, yeah. really? I feel like that's an insult. I mean, you suck that other guy's dick, and you're just gonna kiss him on the mouth? Well, this like guy seems downgrade. classy. He doesn't oh, work at okay. fucking you're right, GameStop. You're right. You're I'm not right. having to blow a dude that's making seven bucks an hour. Nah, dude, mm. this fucking guy, he makes video games. Vidya, yeah, you gotta wine and dine yeah. him first. He's yeah, and then just slob on the knob like corn on the cob. Get me all the posters, you know what I mean? <laughs> this is uh, such a gross so- <laughs> episode. <laughs> Uh, Liam Esler said, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Composer Austin. I don't know why they had to include that quote. It was literally just thank you so much. <laughs> uh, composer Austin uh, Wintry added, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's crazy. We hope to be we hope to do you proud. Uh, the chorus has a number of stretch goals. Okay, that doesn't really matter. It got funded. That's really cool. This Hell game looks yeah. awesome. Yeah, there's big names on this. Most notably, uh, there is Troy Baker, who's like, I don't know what his title specifically was. It said something like, like voice lead or something weird mm. in their actual trailer on fig it was it was a little odd but that's really cool they also they also uh either anthony rap said he wanted to be included in this um or he actually is he is one of the characters on star trek discovery um and he's actually been on like kind of funny games daily i think twice he's he seems like a really cool dude he's very eclectic and weird and apparently has an obsession with bloodborne which is pretty cool. Everyone's obsessed with Bloodborne, by the way. It's a yeah, little weird. for sure. I feel like I need to get into it. Nope. Fuck that. 
Nah. nah. He's like, I'd rather bite my dick off than play Bloodborne. I, I have no interest. Like, the only interest I have is I wish I could be part of the discussion of, like, Bloodborne. But no, I'm not going to play that fucking game. Yeah, you don't want to be that guy who's like, every. I swear, everyone in the games industry says they're in a perpetual state of playing Bloodborne. Yeah, for real. I don't know what it is. Like, is that, the, is that why I can't, you know, get in, like, break into the industry is because I don't play Bloodborne? Clearly, that's yeah. the reason. Yeah. Apparently, literally, I'm not even joking. I swear to God, on every episode of Podcast Beyond, Brian Altano and Max Scoville, yes, ju- they talk about Bloodborne yes. for like 20 minutes, and I have no problem with it because <laughs> it's so fucking interesting. I don't give a shit. Yeah. It's like listening to Chris Penwell talk about Kingdom Hearts. I had to message him on Twitter. I DM'd him, and I was like, "Dude, I'm listening to freaking. I'm listening to Let's Be Geek, and I'm I want to play Kingdom Hearts." Because of how passionate you guys are about this, passion Damn. really gets me. I guess so yeah, so. apparently I was passionate play... enough for uh, getting you into it, though. You know what you were passionate about, though? Steam carts. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let <laughs> I had to get me some of those. How do you feel about Chorus? I I don't know if you're a big Dragon Age fan, but this game does look a little weird because in the opening animation she's just like yeah this fucking chick was at my house and then she did i don't know i don't know how she fucking died I was like <laughs> that was the fastest escalation i've seen in my life well, you gotta, literally it's like they're dead they don't have time to you know set the stage they just got to get right into it they have like a fucking 19 minute video or some shit that's like five minutes of them talking about their game and two seconds of it's like that bitch dead i mean it it really clears things up you know exactly what's <laughs> happening right away. <laughs> yeah, it gets you into the action immediately. Yeah. So I don't. So I cut you off. Are you excited about this? Uh, yes and no. So I'm a fan of the Dragon Age games. I've never really. So I've only played like one or two, and I've never really played it to its completion. They're games that I enjoy, but never really carried me to the finish line, so to speak. Um, which is kind of a shame because I enjoy that style. It's very, you know, KOTOR-esque, um, which are some of my favorite games. Uh, but I, like, I don't see that in this just because this is more of, and I don't even, I'm not even too sure because it's kind of confusing. This is more of just a narrative game, correct? There's not like... Yeah, it seems like a musical adventure game. Yeah, so there's not really like a battling system. It's going to be more of pick and choose the right conversation or musical notes or something to that like it'll be a good story is where i think this is going to go and it's going to have the best part of an experience in this game being that there will be the narrative that you know pulls you through but i i'm i've never been that crazy into those kind of games if there's not some other mechanic into it so i don't know how excited i am until i see more of what the game really looks like yeah oh i mean i i don't think we're gonna see what it looks like anytime soon considering it doesn't seem like they've even started at all they just received i mean a shitload of money so they're gonna start soon gotta fast track uh, that shit gotta kill that bitch They, uh... So quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the bringing up Dragon Age, is, it, it definitely makes sense that they would bring up Dragon Age to kind of lend... Um, the narrative I don't portion know. to it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But bringing it up, like like you immediately went to, there's not going to be like combat in this game, so it's not going to be anything like Dragon Age. Like, it's not going to be that feel. Right. Um, yeah, this... For narrative fans, it looks like it might be a fantastic game. For people who are looking for gameplay, I mean, it's 
the jury's out on that. Yeah, we don't know if we'll there's going to be great gameplay, but hopefully there will. We'll be. see. I'm, I'm yeah. We probably won't see anything from this for another two three years though. So we'll just have to hopefully be pleasantly surprised. That is what I'm hoping for. Speaking of being surprised, let's hop over to our next news story, which, I mean, you're not really going to be surprised about because this game's awesome and they continue <laughs> to update it. Um, <laughs> this know. is Alex Gibson over on Twinfinite. He writes, new Dead Cells corrupted update makes 83 changes, including new biome. Developer Motion Twin has today announced the arrival of a big new patch for its critically acclaimed roguelite Dead Cells called the corrupted update. Uh, it makes 83 changes and adds all new content to the game a new mini biome mirrors uh prison depths mm. which is i don't know why that's so hard to read uh but <laughs> it's tough it offers a, <laughs> it uh offering shorter challenges featuring one curse chest at the beginning a new item called scroll fragment or fragments um have also been introduced uh which can be combined to make a whole uh triple scroll uh, also, there's a. I don't know what a lot of this means. I know that's what so. I'm saying. Yeah, it's been a while since I've actually played this game, so <laughs> I feel like a lot of the lingo in this is pretty over my head. Uh, yeah, it's like a triple <laughs> scroll, and I'm like, what the? F- okay. <laughs> that's like, I mean, I don't know. That's like telling somebody that I found the Elder Scroll, and they're like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> I, I think I think triple scroll is referring to you have like upgrades in the game uh, based on the different color of the I think it was the weapon you use. God, it's been so long since I played and they keep changing it. But I, I guess that's meaning it's uh, upgrading your certain attacks in a strong way. Ah, I need to get back into Dead Cells. I just keep getting my freaking dick kicked in, so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give it a while longer. Uh, but also there is a new meta update uh, that's unlocking, that's unlockable after beating the Hand of the King. It's designed for players tackling the game's higher difficulty levels called Recycling Tubes. It replaces the starting gear with four sets of five random items, ranged uh, or melee ranged shields and two skills. Uh, players can choose which ones to start with. Cool. Um, elsewhere in the corrupted update, there's a uh, there's an Explorer's Instinct, uh, a new rune which reveals the whole map and points of interest and complete rebalancing of the biomes and paths. And final noteworthy, uh, the final bits of like noteworthy content are crow's feet, uh, which allows players to place up to nine crow's feet on the ground to damage and slow enemies. So it seems like seems like those are cow traps. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming, but. Okay, they're crow's feet. Um, the <laughs> tactical retreat, which slows nearby enemies, preventing them from inflicting uh, melees by dodging them just in time. <coughs> I don't know why it got like such a dry throat right there. And networking, <laughs> which links all enemies uh, that have a projectile lodged in them, which is the grossest way to say that. Yeah. I d- <laughs> sounds so disgusting. Uh, which shares the damage taken between all of those guys so are you excited about this are you gonna get back into dead cells it was just put on uh xbox game pass i know that's actually what i was thinking a couple weeks ago is i think i'm just gonna load it up there and just start fresh because i don't remember anything and because there's been so many changes since i played when it was in early access that i feel like just going into it completely new is probably the right way to do it and i have it on xbox game pass so i should probably just load it up there so it actually is on the PC version, correct? Because you don't actually have an Xbox One. 
I do not. Uh, but I believe it is part of Xbox Game Pass PC. Let me double check just to be sure so I can be, you know, horribly upset in a second that my plans aren't going to work. Uh, <laughs> just horribly upset. <laughs> Sometimes it happens. I mean, it is a roguelite, so no matter where you, like, enter into it, you pretty much get the tutorial because there is none, so. Yeah, but, you know, it'd be nice if it was just there. Yeah, dude, you get knockoff caltrops, too. I know. Crow's feet. Fucking crow's feet. It's grrrr. You can play Dead Cells with Xbox Game Pass for PC. Hell yeah! (laughs) My guy just biting time. It's grrrr. You just become Tony the Tiger. (laughs) It happens. Sometimes it happens, you know? All right, so uh, not disappointed. And maybe I'll play and talk about it next week. But probably not, because I have a lot of games to still play. We'll see. (laughs) All right, let's bring down this podcast because speaking of disappointments, our last news article for today is over on Nintendo Life. It is written by Gavin Lane. Dude, new fucking writer over on Nintendo Life, I swear. It's not one of the like two we've heard of. This one's (laughs) Gavin Lane. Okay, guys. Uh, He writes, Kickstarter canceled for Vertebraker, the retro platformer from Sonic Mania devs. We actually talked about this last week in God Bless the Crowd. We did. So this is an interesting update. It's pretty depressing. (laughs) It's really depressing. Uh, In an update to their original article, they say uh, in an update to the Kickstarter page, headcanon developer Stealth, real name Simon Thomley, maybe, um, has confirmed that the crowdfunding campaign for Vertebraker has been canceled after one week, calling the campaign a spectacular failure. He has also outlined the problems in the video below, which they include a video which he talks about some of the problems with uh kind of like his own financial troubles and also some of the problems with the vertebraker campaign but well let's get into the news article first and then right. we'll talk about the video a little bit um the developer states that after one week the 16-bit style game raised only five percent of its goal with momentum dropping to almost nothing he also goes into detail about his personal circumstances following the success of sonic mania and a darkwing duck remaster prototype he was working on and how this led to a rush vertebraker campaign despite the huge success of sonic mania thomley has a uh, as a contractor doesn't seek continued sales royalties and he discussed the incorrect perception that he must be wealthy following his involvement in the game uh vertebraker certainly looked very promising okay that doesn't matter so they canceled the vertebraker kickstarter campaign i believe when we checked it out it had like fifteen thousand dollars but they were looking for like two hundred and twenty two thousand dollars which was we both agreed excessive that was a lot um so how do you feel about this i he put out a 19 minute video i only got to watch like probably five to ten minutes before this podcast Mm -hmm. um that video is depressing. It's super sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, considering it's a canceled campaign, but hearing about his circumstances is super sad. Yeah, I think I, it was it was interesting to see because it puts a lot of perspective in a place that I really didn't think about because one of the things that he said, and this is kind of something that I thought as well, is especially when teams are working on something like, you know, Sonic Mania, where that was a hit. That was a crazy project that ended up working out and a lot of people love it. It's gotten, you know, a lot of respect from the community, from Sonic games. But 
what you really don't think about is the way that contract was written up is that, you know, it's, it's not their game because it's licensed by Sega and you can't really actually have that game. So he was just a contract worker throughout that. So he literally has no money from that game other than when he was just working on it to get it out. Um, it sucks that there's no like proceeds from what he did to actually put in his pocket after all the sales. Um, so he's basically just broke as fuck and yeah it sucks he even says he's like flat broke (laughs) yeah like it's really it's really heart-wrenching too because the guy seems like a super chill (laughs) individual but he's just like yep things were going well when we did the sonic mania thing because we got some money we then you know were able to get our life kind of on track and get out of debt yeah they paid off all their debts they moved out of like his mother-in-law's house they bought a new car yeah and then from that they go to oh i don't actually have a job i'm trying to put all of my chips on this basically like chips on the whole bet and it didn't pull through which you know blows but that happens sometimes um but it is really rough and it's interesting because i didn't even know because we talked about i think we talked about this darwing duck or Darkwing Duck thing, or maybe it wasn't us. Yeah, way back when we did. Yeah, like a, a long time. I didn't know it was basically him as well, um, or this team, which is interesting, and that didn't pan out either. So it's been like a number of failures back to back, which is super heartbreaking. Yeah, it seems like he was also trying to like make money on Patreon as well right. while working on this like game engine that I believe that we talked about in the kickstarter page how i was using that game engine Mm -hmm. they're just there's so many sad things about this this team had been trying to get like vertebraker off the ground for a while but they he even says that like they didn't know how to make the like grappling hook mechanic work Mm -hmm. um which i mean dude just look at flint hook right (laughs) damn it's good shit no i'm just kidding i'm I imagine they were probably trying to get it off the ground by the time that, like, around the time that Flint Hook came out. But, um, yeah, this is just really sad in general. It's it's sad to hear an indie game developer going through hardships. It's sad to hear anybody going right, through hardships. Exactly. But also, it just super sucks because knowing the everything that went into Sonic Mania, they were originally creating it not necessarily to be, like, this large commercial product, mm-hmm. but it was just a fan game. They just wanted a good Sonic game. And like you said, the community reception and critical reception of this, it's highly regarded. People say this is like the best Sonic game in years. It it was like a return to form for Sonic. And to hear that the game developer is like, yeah, I got paid like a lump sum in the beginning and then nothing. Hmm. Like because they worked with sega the whole time and it's sega's ip they just basically allowed them to use it and actually make some money off of it it's just it's a depressing scenario yeah well we'll see hopefully they're able to do something and come back with you know a more appealing kickstarter whether that being changing the the funding goal like the actual (laughs) tiered price that they have right now or if that's finding some way to make it a little bit more appealing to a wider audience um i don't know as well as adding like real stretch goals other than just adding to the team yeah like there there wasn't any real like we talked about this last week their their stretch goals weren't necessarily like things that would help 
the like things that would be cool for consumers. Yeah. They were instead things that would help the developer, which is really really cool. But typically, I would I would say your standard like purchaser or backer of Kickstarter games aren't necessarily thinking they're doing it to help the developer. They're doing it to get in on the ground floor of something they think is cool. They're doing it for themselves. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to sell that idea to anyone. It's just, it's a nice to have kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really sad. Um, I'm glad we brought you guys down right before we hop into some news cram. Hell yeah. Let's get crammed. News Cram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the hosts of Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast, cram you full of all sorts of indie games news. This week, we actually have three different quick news stories for you Hot before damn. we hop into some new stuff. No deals for you this week. Sorry about that. I just couldn't find any like really mm. good ones. Or okay. I actually just couldn't find any in general because nobody's fucking putting out news stories about indie games it's annoying as shit it takes me seriously like a couple hours to find the amount of indie games news stories that i have Oof. yeah yeah it's depressing mm. um so our first quick news story this week is actually a follow-up from last week uh word comes by way of nintendo life that super games sole physical publisher of image informs most recent release steamworld quest has confirmed that depending on the sales of the aforementioned steamworld title they've been given the go-ahead to release both steamworld heist and steamworld dig physically yet no consoles are confirmed at this point heist is you gonna legit. buy those big bad boys yeah i mean yeah. i loved heist might who knows <laughs> who am i kidding i will oh say um the the big i would say the big allure to collectors with the super rare games steamworld quest is that not only is steamworld quest only on the nintendo switch but they're only like physically publishing it they are the exclusively physically publishing this versus mm-hmm. uh steamworld heist and dig have already been published physically right so i don't know if it's gonna see as large of a like return as steamworld quest would and i would assume that would actually kind of go poorly for them because they're 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 assuming that they would also get i i mean i'm assuming that they're assuming that they will get like as much or like a decent amount of sales from doing quest and heist but i not quest sorry dig and heist heist. but i doubt they will because they already exist physically yeah i mean i don't see them getting a lot on heist i think dig is more of a thing just because they have you know the nostalgia of that's really where they like started kind of a thing and many people from this series who are you know supporters of the steam world games always have such high regards for dig but uh, I do agree with you. I think that's an interesting point. I don't. I, I don't think they're they're in the mindset where they. I, I mean, they're such old games. I feel like you can't be tricked into thinking you're going to make you know buco bucks from something that old. Where it's it's at a point where it's it's old in the fact that it's it hasn't been out you know for a good amount of time but it's not old enough where it's like classic kind of oh this is so retro kind of a thing you know what i mean like i think it's a weird time for them to try to re-release something like that yeah and plus the added benefit of the like line of uh, the line of retail that they're in is that they basically cater to collectors people who buy these games are meant they're there to collect it otherwise you would just buy the digital copy so i imagine it'll still be alluring that they could purchase this like have a nintendo switch copy maybe to to fill out like their full switch collection Mm -hmm. because people do that (laughs) 
Um, as well as, uh, this is also reported by Nintendo Life, uh, that Gentle Love, in conjunction with Yacht Club Games, are releasing a new album featuring lullaby versions of your favorite Shovel Knight songs. The album will be released this holiday on a plethora of listening services, as well as a limited physical release. Uh, I think they said in the article that they're only doing 3,000 CDs as the limited physical release. So if you guys want to get it on disc, uh, make sure you keep an eye out for that this holiday. And in the article, they actually included some of the tracks. This sounds dope. It sounds good. I will (laughs) say it slaps. I'm not going to say it's a banger. I'm not, I'm never going to say anything's Uh, a banger, but it's just like our podcast. I'm not going to say it. That shit slaps, though. That's good stuff. <laughs> I listened to it for a solid, like, 40 minutes, and there's only, like, three songs, and each of them are, like, two two minutes long. Damn. So. Yeah, it's, like, a nice mix of, like, I don't know. It's, like, hushed tones. Like, the it, it's got, like, sweet saxophone and stuff. It's really relaxing, which <laughs> makes sense, considering they're meant to be, like, lullaby versions. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. So that checks out. I guess they accomplished what they were going for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, And lastly, another boutique limited run service has popped up and is called Game Fairy. Uh, For their first release, they'll be publishing Bridge Constructor Portal exclusively on the Nintendo Switch, but there are only 3,000 copies available and pre-orders will go live on November 13th. So if you're listening to this uh, and want a copy, you better hurry. November 13th is actually when we're recording this. So by the time you're hearing this, it's the 15th. So hopefully you can actually pick up a copy of Bridge Constructor Portal I'm I'm not gonna guarantee you you can, but there are like I I don't know how popular this game is, but there are really popular like limited run games mm-hmm. that I purchased days after. So and this isn't necessarily like a big collector's edition, so I I don't think it's gonna be too I don't think it'll sell out really really quickly. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean we could just uh, tweet about it, like yeah now. <laughs> yeah yeah after the podcast maybe we should yeah, tweet yeah. About it. maybe maybe. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> now let's hop into some new stuff. Our first three items in new stuffs come by come by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported that by the time you're listening to this, uh, Mad Games Tycoon, a game development si- game development simulator, uh, will be available on Nintendo Switch. Uh, Retro 2D platformer Blue Kid 2 will be released on the Nintendo Switch November 18th. And last but not least, uh, Jamestown Plus will be released on the Nintendo Switch on December 12th. Now we're moving over to GameSpot, uh, where it's reported that reverse horror game Carrion will hit store shelves on the Xbox One and PC in 2020 yeah. as well as the news that eclectic Wadham by the developers of katamari uh will finally release on playstation 4 and pc through the epic game store on december 7th also hell not, yeah not 7th it's the 17th by the way and i don't know why i said katamari, katamari? I, I feel like i got that right but i fi- i i was pronouncing it weird katamari. instead of like katamari yeah i was like katamari <laughs> it's like calamari but yeah with a with a T, little cat. Ah, yeah, yeah. This D- game's got dancing poop in it. I, I mean, if a game hopefully doesn't that have, sells it. If a game doesn't have <laughs> dancing poop, it's not my kind of game. You know what I'm saying? Ach. Sounds like Wadham is your kind of game. Oh then. hell yeah. Uh, and lastly, uh, We Happy Few is getting its final DLC, uh, which will be which will be releasing on November nineteenth. Uh, now over on Polygon, um, where it is reported that highly anticipated follow up to The Binding of Isaac: The Legend of Bumbo is now now on PC via Steam. Hell yeah, yeah! I need to get the, that audio of me saying that I just clipped and just keep playing it. 
<laughs> adds like a soundboard. Yeah, like, hell can yeah, we hell do yeah, that? Hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how soundboards work. If I'm being completely honest, oh, but man. maybe let's let's get a soundboard. We got to clip a couple of things. We'll clip my hell yeah. We'll clip my fuck 'em. We'll clip. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll find some good stuff. Yeah, fuck 'em's got to be your catchphrase now. I mean, <laughs> You're like, yeah, fuck 'em. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's. I don't know. It, there, there's just something about that phrase. It just gets your point across it's, so well. Yeah, it's true. That, the minute you hear that, you know exactly how I feel. <laughs> uh, and lastly, Twinfinite reports that where the water uh, where the water tastes like wine, not lasts, I don't know why I wrote last, where the water <laughs> tastes like wine is headed to PlayStation 4 on December 2nd, and Riverbond is headed to the Nintendo Switch on December 10th. So, Big Josh Boy, we've been blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories that it's about time we give back to the creators in God Bless the Crowd. This is our segment where we hop into all sorts of crowdfunding sites and talk about some indie games. Typically, the Big Josh Boy finds them. Unless he's not here, and then I don't find them at all. I just skip the segment. So So then wouldn't that mean I always find them? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, today we've got two indie games news story. Nope, we've got two games. I'm all frazzled now. It's I don't okay. know why. It's okay. I'm like in my head. I feel like I should have eaten a corn dog or something. Wow, that's oddly specific. Yeah, and I don't have any corn dogs, so wow. it's specific for absolutely no reason. Well, uh, the two games we've got are Always Legacy and Guinea Pig Parkour. These two. Good picks. Thank you. Good picks. Thank you. Uh, so, Always Legacy. This is over on Kickstarter. It is a modern retro adventure game filled with magic secrets and exploration. Uh, the team is going for a twenty-five thousand seven hundred and thirty-eight dollar goal. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that tripped me up so I don't much. Know. That's weird. They currently have $16,457 with 473 backers and 21 days left to go to purchase the game. And I hate currency exchanges, dude. I know. Dude. It's it so keeps, weird. It keeps fucking throwing me off. I saw 200 and I was like, bullshit, this game is $200. No, <laughs> it's $21 US. <laughs> so what do you feel about Alwa's Legacy? It looks pretty uh, legit, honestly. It's very old school, obviously. Uh, it seems to be going for very similar to like a Super Nintendo kind of um, feel to it with, I guess, a little bit more because it's, it's obviously animated in a way that's a little bit crisper and cleaner than it would have been back on the Super Nintendo. But it looks very close to a Castlevania mixed with kind of a, an old-school Zelda game. Um, it, it looks really good, to be honest. I think that this, from what they have already, seems very polished, which is not always the norm with these kind of games. And I think there's a good um, variety of spells, a good variety of uh, different enemies that I'm seeing, of various things that you have to do. I like how there's certain areas where you have like a floating ability and there's these spikes on the ground that you have to use. You can make bubbles and jump on those. You can make little like square things that you throw at enemies. There seems to be a good amount of variability in the different types of actions that you can take in the game i don't know how well that will translate into the actual world itself but so far from what i've seen it definitely has a lot of promise to it uh they do point out on their kickstarter page that you can customize the way you play with their upgrade system you could choose how you want to play explorative offensive or strategic it's your choice Mm -hmm. um 
yeah, this game seems really cool. I was actually expecting you to kind of talk shit about the gameplay because I thought <laughs> that some of the combat just didn't look as like crisp as it could. Um, the spells look really interesting, mm-hmm. but when it comes down to like some of the, the like melee attack, yeah, 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 the slashing just does not look good. No, it doesn't. But not. this is early alpha footage. Yeah, that's kind of so, why I'm not really attacking them for that i definitely think if they don't clean it up a bit it'll be kind of an issue but what it would essentially boil down to is i hope that if they're not going to put much emphasis into the sword play they'll instead have it with more of these unique type of abilities because if anything it's one of those you know if you're building your own character i would just go into the heavy side of i want to do a bunch of spells and fight my way through the game in uh, unique abilities that are available rather than just walking up and hacking slashing because it seems like that's one of the appeals to this game as opposed to just playing it like a zelda style of just running up to an enemy and doing like a spin attack or something like that yeah something that i find really really cool about this game i mean we're since we're on the subject Mm -hmm. is actually the depth of spells it seems to have that it's not just like these attack spells which we constantly see in metroidvanias and retro games where they might like boast a lot of spells but the majority of them are actually just different cool attack spells similar to like uh, wizard of legend Mm -hmm. has a lot of spells but they're most of them are offensive or possibly defensive spells. Whereas this game has like weird maneuverability spells where you can like hover. They have a kind of like the force field that you can set over spikes Mm -hmm. to uh, hover. Like you said, they have that kind of like gelatinous cube. Yeah. That's really cool. That doubles as kind of like this defensive wall as well as an attack. They have the bubbles, which seem to help you with your maneuverability because you can use them as platforms. The game just looks really, really cool, I think. And I also, uh, there's two things that I really, really love about this. If you say the slimes. No, I wasn't actually going to say that because I haven't seen a just straight up slime. They have that cube, but it's not sentient. Oh, fuck. Really? Scroll, Scroll down right before the part that talks about the music composer. Oh, shit. That's a cute ass slime, big boy. It's got the eye. I love that slime design. It's so cool. It reminds me a lot of the slime design in uh, in Moonlighter. Mm-hmm. But Moonlighter, they're like red. Yeah. And they have like one really big eye versus these are green and a small eye. No, what I was going to say is the pixel art looks really, really good in just the standard like uh, it's like to the side 2D um, where it has the chibi characters. And then when they go in to actually do the conversations, it has their portraits. Mm. And damn, those look good. <laughs> they look fantastic, which is typically I, I don't want to say not the case. Um, normally, like with with games with like uh, um, conversation bubbles and stuff like this, like uh, specifically, I'm thinking of Don't Give Up when it originally was like placed on Kickstarter, it had like kind of its it's like rough looking pixel art. But then when you went into the uh, when you went into the conversations, it was also like rough pixel art, yeah, yeah, yeah. but just larger characters, which they then updated to make it like these really really nice hand drawn characters, which I really loved to make one side of it pretty mm-hmm. in a way is kind of what I'm getting at. But this both are pretty. It's got its standard pixel art, which looks great, and I love its cute chibi characters. And then it has this conversation system that has these awesome 
pixel portraits. I really, really like this. I think this game <laughs> looks really cool. Yeah, I mean... This was a good pick. Good pick. Oh, I thank you. It's uh, There's a lot of things going well for them in this. I think this will... Mo- like, I'd be very shocked if this didn't make it, first off, because it's very close to its goal already. Um, it's a good... What is this? Like, 60-ish percent? Oh my god, the slimes also crawl on the ceiling. Fuck yeah, dude. This game's <laughs> awesome. Um, and they still have 21 days to go, so I assume that this is going to get picked up. I don't know if this is going to be a game I'll right away back, um, but it's something that I'm going to be watching and definitely want to see kind of how it progresses, because I'm sure they're going to make it. And I, over time, I'm sure will want this game, depending on how it transforms at the end. Yeah, and something that's also cool is they're shooting towards seemingly all platforms for the most part. They're aiming toward Nintendo Switch, Steam, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and GOG. Mm. Um, And I don't see anywhere where it's saying that any of those are hidden behind kind of stretch goals like normal. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty dope. (laughs) I like that they're just, I mean, I just, I like that their initial thought is to put it on all consoles instead of just kind of like oh we're gonna put it on pc maybe nintendo switch and then as a stretch goal ps4 right yeah i mean it's a weird thing to do because you're marketing to a specific audience um which in some cases is seen as a little negative just because one might argue that if you think your audience is going to obviously want it on a certain platform to put it behind a paywall of oh we need extra money because your intention is saying those individuals are going to shell out because they're like, oh, well, I really want it for the Switch, so I'll do it. Um, There's also, you know, you could think of that on the flip side of some people won't put in money until they see it get closer to that just because they're like, oh, well, if it's not even close, I'm not going to back it if I don't have the obvious me getting it on my my platform. Um, but it all depends on like how you're looking at it. I obviously would rather it just be available to all consoles, but there's also a lot more that goes into that and more, um, you know, beginner type of... In, weird way to put it, but some of the more uh, not as veteran and beginner kickstarter uh individuals who sign up and you know have their project and they want to do this they might not know how to go about that they might understand that there are obvious um initial negative parts to trying to get that acceptance and going into putting the amount of code that you have to use for each different port the amount of work that goes into it the amount of money there's a lot of resource and investment that goes into this and for some they really just can't do it so it it has to be a stretch goal because they don't anticipate having the money or the time for that for the specific game yeah yeah at the risk of sounding like kind of weird and using this in in somewhat of a derogatory way they're they might be pulling like a platonic where they're like promising things in the kickstarter that they might not actually like that that might just not be feasible Mm -hmm. um like they're they're saying that they want to bring it to all these consoles which luckily they do actually have their timeline um where there's a fuck i like scrolled up and now i gotta scroll all the way back down (laughs) (laughs) their their timeline uh they have this game actually releasing in spring of 2020 which is weird it's pretty but uh 
Yeah, that's that's pretty damn soon considering the Kickstarter launched uh, November. But um, mm-hmm. there are game launches on Steam, PC, Mac, Linux, uh, PC, Mac, and Linux, and Nintendo Switch. They don't mention the Xbox that's One true. or PlayStation Four, mm-hmm. so maybe they're just planning on getting it on Steam and Nintendo Switch and then working on the ports. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also kind of interested because normally we talk about the like large sums of money that people are asking for but these guys aren't asking for very much money and there's like seemingly like six to eight people working on this i like including their like external team um their like music composer their sound designer like there's like six to eight people yeah i think i think that goes into the obvious um reality that this game is at a state that's pretty set for release i think the last bit of money that they're asking for is just enough to get them over the line whereas the problem is with kickstarters is every person is starting at a different part of the like the development phase for games they only need that much because they probably have a lot of it done and they've already sank excess money that was probably part of that team that they had originally into what is now this game so that you know, in that sense, they're not asking for as much, but that's just because the difference between like this and Vertebreaker is Vertebreaker was nowhere near as polished as this game is because they're about ready to release in, you know, what is it? Uh, basically like half a year. Yeah. Yeah. Spring 2020. So just about half a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're shooting for. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, this game looks good already and I definitely think it's going to hit its goal, especially with 21 days left to go. Mm-hmm. And I hope it does. Cause it looks really, really cool. I'm going to have to actually try out the demo. The only thing, like I said, that I actually have a problem with is that weird ass looking fucking like staff strike. It just looks so weird, <laughs> but like we prefaced it with, it is like alpha footage. Mm-hmm. So there is that. Uh, but let's talk about guinea pig parkour. Uh, this is inspired by the animation plat or animated platformers, cartoon shows, and graphic adventure games of the nineties. This team is looking for twenty thousand dollars. That is their goal. They currently have eleven thousand one hundred and sixty-five dollars with six hundred and two backers and twenty-two days left to go. Um, supposedly, this is a solo developer, but. I guess the music and sound effects were done by Fat Bard. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, on Twitter the other yeah, day... Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, Greg Lobanov posted, like, a question asking why people call themselves solo developers when they work with, like, music composers and stuff like that, which I guess because they're... they're solo developing the game yeah. itself? Solo game developer. Yeah, he does actually point that out. Um, I believe he says several times in the Kickstarter that he's a solo game developer. Mm-hmm. Like he, and he does point out that there's like the music and sound effects are made by this fat bard person. But uh, the game itself, to get in on your introductory tier, which I do appreciate that uh, both of these games do not have that bullshit thanks tier. <laughs> they both just start off with this is how much it is for the game. For Always Legacy, it was $21. For Guinea Pig Parkour, it's 10 And that's the early one. Um, then it's 15 for the normal. But this game looks dope. Yeah. Like, it's a mix both between this, like, really solid animated platformer and a, like, a sta- just your normal adventure game. It reminds me a lot of Pajama Sam, which is really weird because... 
that was not animated very well. Um, but <laughs> this game really is. It looks dope. Yeah, the yeah, that's the thing. So I've been seeing. It was kind of kind of strange when I finally saw it on Kickstarter because I've seen the animation that's been happening for this game for like so long. I I had followed the the developer on Twitter like a long time ago and I just kept seeing this and I was like this is so cool. Like what the hell is this? And it was just like animation of him jumping around and going through things and I had always thought, wow, that's pretty cool, but I didn't think anything was actually coming of it. And then when I saw this, I was like, "Oh man, that's it's that guinea pig. He's actually running around and it looks so crisp and clean and actually part. It's weird because a lot of this doesn't look like gameplay. It looks like a weird, just cartoon that you're watching because of how fluid everything is. So yeah, this is animated really, really well. Yeah. So that's one of the things like if that alone is kind of what's, uh, pushing me to be like, Oh, this is, you know, going to be worth, bang for your buck is just because it's such an interesting type of experience but looking through it actually looks kind of fun like there's the fight sequence with this plumber that looks really crazy like i wouldn't have expected this but once again it looks to a degree where it's like it almost looks scripted because it's just so clean with the animation style to it yeah and i would also like to point out that in that fight scene specifically you're using both the foreground and the background which is really really cool yeah because i expected this to like this sounds bad but i kind of expect people to cut corners and make it kind of like oh it's a it's a nice art piece in the background but you can't really affect that Mm -hmm. but no he like jumps across the sink he hops on the toilet then hops on the toilet paper roll and uses that as kind of a bouncing board Mm -hmm. it's really really cool this game is really interesting um and i'm surprised it's only developed by one guy and like animated by one guy yeah it's it it looks like a lot to this because i mean just thinking about how much work goes into animation it's pretty impressive what he has and granted we're only looking at you know a few clips this isn't like anything where we see a full game it's more of just chunks but still there's already a lot to this yeah and it should also be pointed out that this isn't like 3d animation not 2d animation it's hand-drawn animation right this guy like he hand drew all of these different like states and from what i understand hand-drawn animation Ooh. takes like 10 times the amount oh, yeah. that like every, 2d every fucking frame like this is so time consuming yeah i imagine like uh rigging the character and making his animations like once you do that it's slightly easier right um but then you have to animate like everything in the environments and all these other characters this game is super impressive i that's honestly the the if i had to describe this kickstarter in one word it's just impressive yeah plus it's given me like real hardcore Rocco's modern life vibes and i love that cartoon yeah, it seems kind of wacky, yeah. and it's, like, heavily inspired by the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me, like, I didn't watch Rocco's Modern Life, which is, yeah, a hit on my fanboy card, I guess. Oof. But uh, Oof. I, it's just, like, hardcore 90s. Like, 90s Nickelodeon, yeah. that's what this fucking show, this game looks like. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's fantastic. Uh, but let's round out this podcast with some random questions from our listeners. So we got three for today. There's, there's some weird ones. So like (laughs) I said, 
We're going to hear from Chase today. Chase wants to know, where do the legs of pilots go in Bioware's successful smash hit, Anthem, when they hop into javelins? Did you play Anthem? No, I did not. But I do have a theory. Okay, let's hear it. All right. And we talked a little bit about this before. But clearly, this goes into uh, what we talked about in the last episode. So they actually cut off their legs each time they get in and then become the suit itself. Ah, so they're jacking in. They're like wiring in. Yeah. So have you actually seen the like the suits that they wear the javelin yeah, suits yeah i've seen them their legs are so weird <laughs> they like giving them a second look it's slightly more plausible but when you really get a look at these legs at times they're bent like fucking raptor legs and like it it's kind of like if you had no calves you could pilot this armor. Like if you if you just your leg went from thigh to knee and then it was your foot, you could pilot this armor, but otherwise you're fucked. Like that's that's what this armor looks like, honestly. Their their legs are fucking super weird, like raptor legs, they bend the wrong way. I don't I don't know, personally. Yeah, I think the only conclusion is constantly cutting their legs off, jacking in. Yeah. I I, I agree with you. That's the yeah. only way that this is possible. That's what you got to do. Yeah, unless you're in the Colossus. The Colossus seems to have a lot of leg room, but <laughs> also has these weird fucking raptor legs. But that's just at the end. The fucking, like, ah, they're just weird-ass legs, dude. <laughs> so, so uncomfortable. Um, our next question is from Jason from Parallax Media, actually. He well, writes Jason. in and says... It, I'm going to say right now, so he knows, I don't know how to say your last name and I didn't want to butcher it. So I just didn't. It's <laughs> okay. We still love you, Jason. It's, it's a cool name, but I don't know how to say it. So I'm not going to do it. Um, if you could give any indie dev the budget of Death Stranding, who would it be and what would you want them to make? Big Josh boy. Yep. Who would it be? Uh, so this is going to be a weird one, but I was thinking about it. And I want a weird remastered version of The Binding of Isaac, but Mm -hmm. I want it done in an immaculate way where it's kind of similar to a Gears of War style. So it's like a third person, you're looking at your character, the back of them, and you're shooting and running through these uh, different areas, these different rooms, and all the enemies are 3D and coming at you because like, Man, that game would look crazy. Like, some of the monsters and enemies in this game are horrific. And because it's so, like, cutely drawn in this little 2D animation style, it's more of, like, a joke kind of a thing. But, like, some of those blob monsters that attack you would be just downright horrific trying to face them. Yeah, these creepy-ass fucking fetuses. Yeah, (laughs) dude. Like, that game would be so crazy. I'm sure a lot of people would hate it, but I'd love to see what that looks like. Oh, yeah. I imagine that would go over like when Sonic went from 2D to 3D. People would shit all over (laughs) it. (laughs) But I think it would still be great. Yeah, it would be really interesting to see these poop and like fucking fetus monsters. I'd be super excited to see those. (laughs) Um, For me, it's kind of a cop-out. I would just give Team Cherry all the money. Um, make a fucking quarrel game, dude. You're already making, you're already making Hornet make quarrel. Mm-hmm. My boy quarrel. He got done dirty. 
Um, I still don't. <laughs> I don't believe the rumors. He like I'm not gonna ruin anything, but I don't believe it. Just telling anybody who knows what happened to him. Yeah. I don't believe it. A bug's it's life. Bullshit. Good time. Yeah. It is a bug's life. And I, I just want more of that lore. I know we've got Silk Song coming up probably next year, but Hopefully. I can't wait. I just want more, dude. I'll give Team Cherry all the money to fucking give me some more Bug Boy games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they're not gonna stop. <laughs> I hope. I I mean it's kind of like I, I if they continue to make Hollow Knight games, I would somewhat feel bad, similar to the way I feel bad for Yacht Club having to basically like just consistently make Shovel Knight. Right. But I guess if they do these spin off games like they're they're making Silk Song where you play as Hornet, and if they did fucking quarrel, dude. There's like an, there's like new gameplay mechanics, let alone the fact that it's like totally different environments. Hornet is seemingly being taken to an entirely different kingdom. We also don't know the timeline, yeah. whether this is before or after Hollow Nest um, and the events of Hollow Knight, as far as I know. So I'm just super fucking stoked to play Silk Song, and I just want <sighs> Team Cherry to make more. And I hope they don't get sick of it. Yeah. And if they do fucking i don't know make something cool guys (laughs) i mean i don't think they will though because kind of what you were alluding to this is like a totally different game yes it's in that same kind of uh genre of a metrovania it's in the same type of world because they're those bugs and it is a recurring character but it's a whole new kingdom it's going to be a large slew of different uh environments and different characters to interact with it's different mechanics that were built into this so i don't think that this is going to be a thing where they finish this game and they're like, wow, I'm you know exhausted on this type of world just because it's something that was so fresh and so new in the same light of things. Um, but then at the end of the day, even if they don't, they've obviously shown that they can create a great platformer slash Metroidvania game. So I'd be down with whatever new story they want to tell either way. Uh, I should also say, um, on top of them actually just continue to make Hollow Knight games, make a quarrel, like a quarrel plush. Um, Fangamer now has the grub and there's like a talking grub. Uh, they have the knight, Hornet and Grim from the Grim Troop. Um, where's fucking quarrel, dude? Where the fuck? The true struggle. Like we got the paper craft quarrels, which is, it's fucking dope, but I want a little quarrel buddy. I want him with his weird ass fucking straight nail and his mask. That's all I want, dude. And then more Hollow Knight games. I'm not asking for much. <laughs> Just the rest of your life being contributed to this one game. You know? Wow. This one game series. That seems it. fair. Uh, <laughs> so our last question is from Chris Penwell of Active Quest, uh, among other things like Let's Be Geek. I would I would listen to it. They talk about Kingdom Hearts a lot. He's had uh, Grayson Morales on and PlayStation. They're really interesting conversations. Hmm. Um, and he's it, it doesn't seem to be getting the amount of credit uh, that it deserves. It's like an interview show. I would recommend checking it out. It's, it's decent. It's pretty good. Um, but he writes in and says, if you could choose an indie character for Smash, who would it be? So, Big Josh Boy, who would you pick? So uh, I kind of went back and forth around this one just because there's so many good ones. Honestly, I think the closest we'll get is probably Shantae in like the real light of things. I think that's actually uh, a very possible situation. Although now with the the struggle, not the struggle, but the the 
issues around Mai and her sexy body in there and the fact that uh, Nintendo says... I mean, Shantae's not that sexy, though. I mean, but she's only wearing her little bikini top. She's got... I, I don't know. Fucking good boys and girls, good, dude. They like it. I don't know if good boys and girls that was the, are... That was uh, the funniest fucking quote. <laughs> yeah. What a weird... That's got to be some strange translation screw up i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i hope it wasn't i hope he fucking said that shit because it's funny as hell i don't know very strange but my actual pick i think uh if i had to choose between them i'd probably pick cuphead um and the reason why i pick cuphead is because i think uh one of the things sakurai mentioned is the character it doesn't matter about the popularity of them it matters if they're fun and i think cuphead would uh, deem himself as a unique character very close to kind of like what Mega Man has because he wouldn't be an in-your-face brawler in the same way where Mega Man has to shoot and use projectiles in a lot of cases and I think that could be something to build a unique character in that he's both using the boomerang attacks the you know shooting just the regular shot doing the charge shot um, I'm sure they would find some way to make like other wacky attacks that you can do um just based on like uh even even the the like the bounce like the purple slap bounce attack i think would be pretty cool like if you had something where if you're in the air and you're next to someone you could like slap off of them doing things like that would be really interesting and i think it would just be um kind of crazy to see just a giant character of this cup-headed freak in there would be such a weird uh addition to what super smash brother already does which is bring the impossible together of all these weird collection of characters so i think it'd be cool to have that i mean let alone how fucking cool the stage would be yeah be awesome yeah. it would have that fucking live jazz band just ripping shit out oh yeah the fu- the yeah the soundtrack is probably one of my favorite things about cuphead like it's so good yeah cuphead is the only soundtrack i own on vinyl well, that's how good it is that's also because i got it when i worked at gamestop it's like a tiny vinyl though i don't mm. know i don't know what to do with that uh, i'm not well-versed in vinyl uh but for me i actually wrote an article about this a while ago for handsome phantom but it's kind of a cop-out um let's be real i was gonna choose this no matter what uh quarrel fuck the knight fuck hornet make quarrel <laughs> a character in smash no do it uh, no actually i would choose the knight i think he would play so well of course he would just be another swordsman um i yeah, think he would play need. a lot like yeah, because there's a million of them. He he would play a lot like Shulk because you could switch out different charms and stuff like that. I think that would be so fucking cool, let alone like all of his abilities would work so well. Mm-hmm. So he has like the, the Mothwing cloak would be really, really cool both for like uh, I believe the Mothwing cloak actually allows him to dash. And then um, there are like other abilities that would allow him to have like a recovery and uh, shoot projectiles. So I think that the knight would actually be a really, really cool character to play in Smash, as well as, and this would break the game, so I know that they absolutely will never do it, (laughs) but I think that Flint Hook would be such a fucking cool character in Smash. I mean, Um, Joker has that kind of like grappling hook thing as well, so I don't think it would break the game necessarily. Yeah, and... 
and Link has his like hook shot, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm talking about his time belt um, oh. because he can slow down time. So I can I mean, see that being a big issue. I mean, it would probably be something like uh, Bayonetta has something kind of like that. But uh, then again, that's their smash attack where she'll uh, put like a slow down on time and be able to attack people and then use her ultimate. Um, so it I would... mean, you could do a similar thing for Flint Hook, though. You could make it his like ultimate, yeah. and his standard abilities would pretty much be like uh, bombs, his his like blaster, and then his recovery. And the majority of like I would say his like platforming would be done with his hook shot, right? Um, because it's not it, it's it's kind of different than Link's hook shot. Uh, Hink's, Link's hook shot is more to like grab people and pull them toward him. Where I feel as like uh, Flint Hook would be more of like pulling himself away. It would be more about maneuverability hmm. than Link's. Because um, Link's recovery is like sweeping his sword, which I'm gonna be honest, I don't know how that works. Just considering momentum, but I guess you know. It's it's a fucking video game. Who gives a shit? I'm talking about putting bugs in it. So I mean, yeah. yeah, whatever. Nothing makes sense in the world of Super Smash. <laughs> but I, yeah, I would check out my article because I actually I included both of those characters in it. Um, I so also think go. I might have included the Drifter from Hyperlight Drifter. I was actually surprised I that thought, wasn't your first one. So I thought about it. Uh, I think I had almost written it in that article and then I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just quickly like shouted out to it because it actually, the Drifter is a playable character in Brawl Out, oh, um, which yeah. is also on the Nintendo Switch. Um, I actually haven't. I haven't played it, but I, <laughs> I want to play as the Drifter. <laughs> but that's the end of this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you liked it, make sure to follow us on Twitter at IndiePod. Um, I'm trying to be more active on there. I'm liking stuff. I'm trying to tweet. I tweeted about fucking bees wearing hats. Uh, yeah. Bee Simulator Freaking seems weird. like the game of the fucking year, dude. <sighs> that's it right there. Bee Simulator. Check it out. It looks dope. Bees wear hats. They look real cute. Um, you can follow me at Hyde Lee on twitter that's h-y-d-e-l-e-g-i-o-n you can follow josh at the underscore george 90 that one's pretty easy i'm mm-hmm. not gonna spell that one out nope. unless you need to know how to spell george which is like josh but with an r it's true yeah right in the middle it's not that hard and please if you guys like this podcast make sure to leave us uh like a like a review whatever you can on your podcast service uh, especially itunes it'll help us with algorithms it'll help us reach out to more people uh, and it It'll help just get this podcast out there and uh, spread the word, the gospel of indie games (sighs) is what we're really trying to do here. We're trying to make a cult of indie games. Wait wait a minute. (laughs) I don't know about that. Uh, Well, you know what? I'll take that back because we don't like the label cult. We're kind of like how how, uh, multi-level marketing doesn't like to be called pyramid schemes. Uh, We're like that of a cult. We're like 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 a heretical... Religious organization, oh. but for video games. Yeah, that sounds better. Yeah, yeah, it sounds much better. It doesn't sound creepy at all. Uh, that's <laughs> it for this episode of Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>